What's up, Tribe? It's Michael Fleming coming at you with yet another episode of Find Your Voice, where we talk about the continual improvement of the health, the wealth, and the relationships within your dental practice or dental service organization. And so excited to come to you with today's topic. Uh, It's actually born from a book that I'm reading right now. I'm reading this book right now called Acres of Diamonds by Russell Cronwell. No, 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 Conwell. Totally slaughtered his name. Russell Conwell. If you went to Temple, you're going to want to kick me in the shin. Um, And if not, you're not going to know the difference anyway. So Acres of Diamonds, Russell Conwell, he was the founder of Temple University, hence the reference to Temple. But he wrote this book years and years ago called Acres of Diamonds. And basically, if you ever read The Alchemist, it's right in line with that. It's basically all you have is right here in front of you. Uh, I think specifically to sum up his story that his book is born from is there's a uh, think Persian kid that is, you know, and think 17, 1600s, like long, long time ago, but there's this Persian kid growing up in wherever, let's say Iran. And his greatest desire is to become a, a diamond uh, seller, right? Sales was big. Merchants were big. He wanted to sell diamonds. Uh, and, but first he had to find inventory. And so he wanted to go find this diamond mine so that he, he would then be able to have these diamonds then be able to, to sell them. Uh, long story short, he leaves. It's like any traditional story where he starts where, where he's currently at. He has this dream and then he goes afar to go and find this. And his life was this journey um, through various lands and various experiences. But long story short, he never found his diamonds. Uh, and he grew up to be old and, and took to the drink and wound up in taverns and, you know, kind of passed that way, right? Uh, back, meanwhile, back at his home, back at his farm, back with the family that he had left to go embark on this journey, uh, someone had come in and was tilling the fields of his own field and they found this little shiny thing and they bring it up and they're like, Whoa, what is this? And they kind of bring it back and they didn't know what it was. And they brought it back and they put it on the mantle and, you know, a minister came or someone from their church had, had can't come and they're like, Oh my gosh, the Al Jafar is back or whatever this kid's name who was originally went on the journey. They're like, no, 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 he's, he's never come back. But, but there's a diamond right there. And that's what he took off. He was in search of diamonds. They're like, no, 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 that's just a rock that we pulled out from, from outside, but that is a diamond. And so they went outside and sure enough, they started tilling the land. And of course, what he was sitting on the whole time, the main character was he was sitting on acres of diamonds the whole time. He just never looked right where he was. Um, also in that book was a, a couple different, examples of that. And if you ever read The Alchemist, you know that the story ends where it begins uh, with the, the moral of the story being that all you need is is within you right now and, and where you are right now. And kind of bringing that back to where we're talking about today, one of the impactful things that I was reading in this book was he doesn't just tell the story. He also starts, starts to talk about his lectures. And one of the lectures specifically, specifically he was talking about was in Philadelphia. And we're talking circa 1938-ish, um, you know, plus or minus 10 years. Definitely uh, post-depression, pre-World War II, if that makes sense. And uh, he was talking to this this group of of merchants in Philadelphia. Uh, and he, he's a Christian man. Uh, Temple University, uh, I'd imagine, is a Christian university or Christian-based uh, faith uh, university because he is absolutely secure in his faith and talks about his faith a lot in this book. But he's talking about you know, how do we grow our businesses as good Christian people? And why I hope this doesn't turn you off because this is not a Christian based program in the sense of, you know, what I'm promoting. So don't let that turn you off or, or extra turn you on regardless. But 
he's speaking to a group of in his audience were Christian people and they, some of them struggled with the idea of, of money and how, how money can be used and how money can corrupt. And he was basically talking about how first, you know, that's a different topic as far as corruption goes. He's like, what we want to talk about is how do we as people make money? And he, he did such a good job of summing it into such simple words where we need to find what people want and then provide it for them. And I know that you've heard this, this cup of soup served and reheated and reheated many different ways, right? Because it sounds so obvious, right? Like, oh, just find what people are buying and then sell that to them. And that's a great way to make a living, right? And, and you and I will hear this advice and we'll be like, duh, of course. Yeah, nod. we're nodding the whole time going, yeah, 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 that makes perfect sense. But how many of us that are here right now, and you're listening to this right now, when was the last time you asked any of your customers what they wanted. And that pause is, is intentional, right? Because I know so many times we will embark on trying to provide solutions to problems that we ourselves have identified and we ourselves have, have worked over or worked through, um, whether that's worked through them by trying this new procedure, trying this new product, you know, whatever that whatever that is. So we have this experience because we're like, oh my gosh, you know, when I was young, my, my teeth were jacked and they're so crooked. And then what I did was I went and got traditional wire bracket braces. And then two years later, my teeth were super straight, wore a retainer for a couple of years after that. And boom, here I am, good. And so, you know, fast forward 15 years when I've got 20 years, when I've got children that need braces, what am I going to, what am I going to do? I'm going to propose wire brackets, traditional braces, because that's what I myself received. Even though there's other options, for example, the, the clear uh, tray system, say Invisalign or Smile Direct Club or whatever those, those are, those options are now. Um, whereas me as the consumer, I would opt to the solution that worked best for me or at least worked for me, right? Who even knows if it was the best solution, but it was good enough for me. Maybe that's a better way to put it, right? It was good enough for me and it's good enough for you, right? Oh, I don't know when the last time you heard that, but it does bring back some memories, right? If it was good enough for me, it will be good enough for you. But anyway, seriously, back to, you know, if you're listening to this, chances are you've got customers. And whether they're you as the owner, you as the manager, uh, even if your customers aren't like retail customers, even if you say you work at a, uh, a DSO where you're a support staff, right? Your customers are the dentists out in the field or the office managers out in the field, the hygienists out in the field, all the people in the field, right? What are your customers in need of? And better question, when was the last time you asked them that to confirm that you're on the right page, right? And the reason that this rang so true to me when I read through this in this book, which is basically find what people want and then sell it to them, was I, there's so many people that I work with, and obviously where I sit in my little world is I offer dental marketing solutions to dental practices, dental service organizations across the country, right? And so many of them right now are offering uh, services that they think will be very prosperous for their business. Example of that would be the clear trace solutions that I just referred to. There's countless brands now. It started, I think, with Invisalign, or at least they were one of the pioneers. And now there's multiple clear brace solutions that, that exist right now. And there's so many general dentists that are now offering this procedure because they see this potential to make a ton of money, right? So for example, and, and if you're listening to this, uh, and you're in the dental world, you know that the margins on that are pretty sick. 
you can make some, some decent money uh, off of your braces, and it's awesome. Where I'm seeing it kind of hiccup, though, is that it's not necessarily the solution that their own patients are looking for. So what I mean by this is, you know, doctor, let's just call me a, a pretend doctor right now. Dr. Fleming, yay, I've got this new certification, this new certificate to be able to start providing Invisalign to my patients. And I'm so excited about it. And I started talking to a couple of people and, you know, sure enough, that first month I signed two, three, four people up and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so fantastic. But then I go through it and the process feels a little clunky compared to the process that I'm used to doing. And so my enthusiasm wanes just a little bit. And before you know it, month two, I might get two because I'm still kind of enthusiastic, but and I know my craft and my craft of making money is not, yeah, it's a little easier for me to do other stuff than this, but I'm still going with it, right? I'm still committed. I've signed up. I've committed some time, effort, money to this, and I'm going to try and make it work. By month six, they're not doing anything. And it's not because um, they've lost their enthusiasm for it. It's because their patients really didn't need it, right? Or want it. And if they do, it's that one-off, Right. And they're, they're best served sometimes going off to, because that, that, that can be part of the deflation as well, right? Is that you can only serve with the clear braces solution in this specific instance, you can only serve a certain segment of the population, right? And, and granted, it might be 50 plus percent, right? It's still a good percentage when you're doing the math, right? But there's still a ton that you're going to be referring out to the specialist for, it's like, oh, okay, you're going to need a, a, a palate expander for that. You're going to need other hardware to be able to kind of accommodate your specific needs. And then again, before that, it's kind of back to what you were in the old days and you've lost enthusiasm for it and it's just not what you were looking for. So where I'm going with this is that I've got a ton of clients that I'm working with that are looking to add more value to their practice, right? And this seems to be a great fit because a ton of their, their patients are getting referred out to orthodontics. And so they try to bring that in and keep that, that revenue inside the four walls by offering this clear trace solution. Unfortunately, they either overestimate the need or when the need arises enough of that percentage is being still having to be referred outside that they're losing that enthusiasm for it. And so I, again, the reason I'm going for this is that we have this perceived need of what our customers need and we, and then we actually have our customers needs. And what I'm going to challenge you to do right now is to challenge your assumption of what you think your customers, we're going to call them customers right now. Cause again, that's what they are. What you think, your customers want and need versus what they actually want. I'm, I'm even going to intentionally leave need out of there, right? Because it's truly at the end of the day, what do they want? Because how many times, if you're a dentist that's sitting here right now, how many times have you told a certain patient that they need braces, but they haven't done anything about it because they haven't wanted to, right? It's not until that need becomes, becomes that want, right? That they, that they do it. And sometimes the one is driven by the need, right? But if you just tell them they have the need versus they feel the need to do it, there's a total different thing. And it's that psychology piece, right? But what my challenge to you today, so this is going to be a super short podcast. This is really generated for you to have some homework. And what I want you to do is a identify your customer, right? It's, if you're a dentist, if you're an office manager, or you're a hygienist, you kind of know who your customer is, right? It's your patient. But if you work inside the four walls of a, a support center, maybe it's not so easy. Maybe your customer is a hygienist at a, a satellite location. Maybe it is a dentist in a satellite location. Maybe it is an office manager at a satellite location, whatever that is, right? If you're in finance, you know, who is your customer? Is it the C-Stack? Is it, you know, people at 
private equity, whatever that is, whatever your customer is. Again, we have this idea of what we think we want to sell them or what we think we want to provide them versus what they actually need. And so my challenge to you is to connect with one of your, your patients or your, your customers today and ask them, Hey man, what, what can I provide you that would make your life easier? And then listen, and let, let them think, right? And maybe you might need to expand a little bit to say, Hey, I'm really looking to add more value. And as you know, over this next one to five years, as I develop my continual improvement, I'm looking to add value by doing this, this, and this. But what I really want to do is connect with the needs of my customers, which are the people who consume my product or consume my service or consume my data or consume my information, whatever that is, right? And I want to make sure that that product that I'm providing is actually in line with their expectations and their needs and their wants so that I'm truly adding value as opposed to providing stuff that was really valuable to me when I had that epiphany five years ago, but maybe they've already had that epiphany five years ago too. And it's less relevant, less value. Because again, what we're trying to do is offer that, that continual improvement. And when does that continual, continual improvement end ever? We always have to stay uh, one step ahead of our competition, one step ahead of ourselves, one step ahead of that person that we were yesterday. So we continue to have drive, continue to have hope. We continue to have purpose we continue to add value so that every day is like exciting. We're like, man, I am, I'm killing this, right? I'm totally doing some great things right now. And what I'm doing today is completely different than what I was doing yesterday. It's not just the same cup of soup reheated. It's new. It's exciting. It's innovative. And you might find that some of these ideas, you know, they'll start off with a, a ton of excitement and then they'll fizzle. That's fine. Uh, but the fact that we're continuing to try that's how we have these, these revelations and these innovations, right? It's back to, and this is an old story I've told multiple times. I'll tell it again because it's so awesome. Chris Rock, you know, this guy, he, he's, and I think it's been a while since he, he's in an, an HBO special, but think of the last time he did uh, or the last time you saw him do an HBO special where this guy just gets up there and for an hour solid, he just kills it. It's one after another, after another. And he's setting up these jokes that set up another one. And it's just like so funny. And it's like so incredible. And when it's all said and done, you're like, you're a hero. I don't know. Back in the, I'm going to date myself. Back in the 80s, uh, Eddie Murphy had uh, had this album album on vinyl, right? Of uh, one of his stand-ups. And, and again, same thing. Where it's just like a whole 45 minutes to an hour of just joke after joke after joke. And you're literally just bent over laughing because it's so funny and you're like how does dude how does he do this how is someone so funny it's like every once in a while i'll tell a funny joke and and everyone cracks it up but then i get excited and i try to tell another one and it kind of falls flat right well that was in an interview with uh, i think it was an interview with rolling stone chris rock is kind of talking about like man he's like it's so funny he's like you get these people that see this performance on like an hbo special right of me just getting up there and and just knocking them out one after another, after another for a solid hour. And they're like, man, this guy is amazing. He's so good. He said, but what they don't see is the, is the hours and the, the weeks and the months and the years of preparing that material and getting up in front of uh, small groups in front of uh, these people at small comedy shops uh, across the country and, you know, stepping out there with 10 jokes and only one of them flying. 
right? And the other one's being kind of tepid or, or not that funny, right? But then what he's doing is he starts to string these. He's like, okay, even though I get one or two jokes out of that one set, and then at least now I know, okay, these are, are pretty decent. And then he'll try them in his next one and it confirms or, or denies. It's like, yeah, 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 it's pretty good. But long story short, we see this finely packaged 45 minutes to an hour of this polished performance on this HBO comedy special. And we're like, this guy is a comedy god. But what we're not seeing is all of that, all of the failure that went behind that, all of the jokes that had to be recycled and thrown away because they weren't funny. Does that make sense? And so it's so easy to think about having this awesome finished product. Um, but what, what we have to also acknowledge is all of the work that it takes to get there. We can't have instant success instantaneously. Does that make sense? We got to do it. And so that's going to be my challenge to you is to, to be a little Chris Rock, right? Go out there and start telling some jokes. And these jokes are in the sense of start connecting with your customer and start asking them, Hey, in my, in my spirit of continual improvement, I'm trying to provide things that are really relevant to my patient. And of course you're my patient and all I can do is offer assumptions. So I really would love to get kind of feedback, like what's important to you so that I can start making that important to me. So that during my continual improvement, I can provide things that are really plugged into what you not only need, but want and will consume. And start to see what happens, right? And don't be afraid of silence after you ask that question. Because maybe it's something where it's like, man, I don't know. But let me think about that. Because I appreciate the fact that you are trying to continually improve. And that's in line with my core values too. Does that make sense? And so that's when you're really going to get that opportunity to connect with them at a level that's different from where you're at right now. And you're going to be able to provide a product or a service that maybe you either undervalued or weren't even aware of at the time, because I'm telling you, everyone's running to the, the clear braces solution right now. And I'm not saying it's bad because I see a ton of people firsthand that are making a ton of money from this, but is it meeting their expectations? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And I, but what I can tell you subjectively is that there's a, quite a few that thought it was going to do something that it hasn't. Right. And so maybe their, maybe their expectations or their hopes were a little inflated. Uh, and that happens too, because I'm not by no means, am I, am I saying that the career brace solution is not a solid option? It absolutely is. There's a, a perfect time and a place that I've seen multiple people totally benefit from it. But what I'm saying is there's one thing as a, to consume it as a consumer, and there's another to try and build your, your business on it. Does that make sense? And there's a ton of people that have, and so I'm not saying that it's not right for a ton of people. My question is, is it right for you? And are you assuming that it's right for you because the guy down the street or the girl down the street started offering it and you had this perception that they were killing it? Does that make sense? And, and, and again, we're, we're kind of keeping up with the Joneses even in that scenario, right? So what I want you to do is really connect with your customer, really figure out what are you consuming, what's important to you, and then literally start to sell that to them, right? But, you know, options of this could be Again, clear braces. Maybe if you're not doing that, maybe that is a solution, right? Again, I'm not here to crucify clear braces. It works great for a ton of people. Uh, maybe it's a financial solution, right? Maybe it's in-house payments. Maybe it's low interest payments, no interest payments to help them get them over that, that block of finance. Maybe they're, maybe the product they're looking to consume is, cre consume is credit. Uh, maybe it is a, um, an insurance alternative, like a membership, right? You're selling certainty. For a low price, you're actually giving them an opportunity to purchase certainty so that if anything ever goes wrong, 
they're covered <clears throat> and they've got like a, a discount or they've at least got this membership now that covers, you know, their, their recommended two cleanings per, per year. Right. These are just a couple examples. Right. But as you kind of embark on these ideas, you also want to make sure that they hold water. Is that something that truly valuable? Cause, cause again, with the insurance alternative, is that valuable to your, your practice? Maybe, maybe not. You know what I mean? If you're in if you're in Beverly Hills, California, and you've got a fee for service practice, and you're killing it because there's an abundance of cash, maybe this is not relevant at all, right? Maybe it's something else. Maybe if you're in that practice, maybe uh, it is implants. Maybe you're not currently doing implants, and you can implant assisted dentures. If you're not doing that, maybe you can. Maybe it's veneers. Maybe you're not doing it, and you can because it's more cosmetic. Whatever that is. But again, what I see the trap is all of, and everything that I've said is great ideas, right? They're fantastic. What I challenge you to do is to challenge that assumption that it'll be good for you, right? Start talking to your patients, make sure that they're consumers. Because if you say it flippantly, people are, are likely to agree with you. Oh man, hey, I'm thinking about doing like veneers and I think it'd be really good. Yeah, you, you may or may not be, be relevant for it, but I think that'd be really good. Do you think, you think people would like that? Oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be so awesome. And you hear that little word of encouragement, all of a sudden you've convinced, you, you've convinced yourself. That's a whole lot different than Asking them, you know, I'm looking to continue to improve. What kind of products or service could I provide that would add value to your life? And then it forces them to answer that question. Because if you just offer a layup for them, like, oh, man, I'm thinking about veneers, you know, for, for the masses. I think the masses might enjoy that. What, what do you think? Yeah, sure. Not for me. But, yeah, I think the masses would love it. Again, it's the path of least resistance. I can agree with you. People love to agree with you. People love to agree with you because it's the path of least resistance. And it, and it generates a smile. The opposite would be potentially entering an argument. So of course they're going to agree with you, right? So don't ask people generalities of what they think the population would want. Ask specific people what they would want. And it's going to be a different answer. And you will be surprised at the answer that you get. And you may not be happy with the answer you get. And you're like, ooh, I didn't think that that, that demographic wanted that. Or, ooh, maybe it goes the other way. I didn't think my demographic that I serve could afford that, right? It could go either way. But it does provide the opportunity to get that feedback and then then you can start to look and see how you might be able to incorporate that into your business to see if it's even worth doing it or even if you want to do it there might be some things where like you know for perio type things or, or high-end stuff it's like i'm not gonna do that I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to refer that out because i just don't want to do it i just don't like that that's fine too right but go out there ask figure out what your your customers are buying or what they want to buy and then provide it for them that's all i got for you that's your homework today. Go out, talk to your customer, talk to your customers, right? I challenge you to talk to one extra credit, go talk to three and see what happens. See what kind of feedback you got, because then guess what's going to happen? You're going to get that feedback and then you're going to start talking to other people. And you're going to be like, huh. I was talking to one of my customers the other day and they had this crazy idea that they wanted clear braces. I never even thought about doing that because I've referred all, all my business out to orthodontics, but man, I've been thinking about doing that. They're like, that's brilliant. I would totally do that. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you're like, what? It just creates this, these conversations. And what, what my business partner and I always uh, refer to that to is activity. It's such a key point to, to our business and every business is activity. You know, you're looking to generate activity. You're looking to generate new conversations. You're looking to generate that activity because that activity will generate results. Does that make sense? So God bless you. Have an amazing day. I hope this uh, was a, a fun little episode for you to listen to. You've got homework to do. Now go out and do it. Uh, if for some reason you have some epiphanies yourself, reach out to me. I would love to be able to kind of hear what kind of epiphanies you had, what you learned uh, along this path. Um, Mike at uh, dentalmarketingblog.com. 
uh, or find us on uh, Insta or Facebook, uh, the, the Dental Marketing Specialist. At Dental Marketing Specialist, I, I want to hear your story. I want to hear how this benefited you. And uh, until next time, have an amazing day. Take care.